Hello everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Girl of Truth podcast. I'm your host Rupa at Nvidia working on all things open networking and kernel networking, Linux networking and so on. In this episode we'll be talking about navigating the open network operating system space. As you all know, there are quite a few. Cumulus Linux, Sonic, Dent, Danos, ONL and the list goes on. Today I have with me Pete Lumbus and Brian O'Sullivan who are experts in this area and who have spent like me quite a few years being part of the revolution in the space in the open network operating system space. I'll let them introduce themselves further. Hey, I'm Pete Lumbus. I run technical marketing here at Nvidia for Ethernet switching. And I'm Brian O'Sullivan. I run uh, product management for uh, network operating systems in Ethernet switching at uh, NVIDIA. And Pete and Brian have been regulars on the podcast. Uh, so we're all a podcast family. Okay, so the goal of this uh, chat today is basically to navigate the space and also talk about day one, day two issues or navigating the hardware space and so on. And Pete and Brian both are experts in the space. So to start with, open network operating systems, uh, unlike the server operating systems, the network operating system space is fragmented, or I would say there are different architectures. If you get a network operating system, it does not use the same base uh, or same way to program the ASIC or hardware, unlike the server space, where every distribution flavor is basically comes with its own sauce, but there is a single natural way how the operating system works. So it is important to know the architecture of an operating system to understand how extensibility is possible or how you can build things on top of it and so on. So let's, uh, I was thinking we'll uh, go through a survey of the existing systems. Uh, Cumulus Linux is of course our own and um, well, it's my favorite, I would say. Um, Brian and Pete, do you want to start with Sonic? Do I, do I have to pick a favorite or no, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, um, it, this kind of, you know, you talked about other operating systems and, and how they relate to the network operating systems. I think it's all a case of the age and maturity of, uh, of these operating systems in that, you know, if you, if you looked previously the way things have been done, maybe not three years ago, but 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, with data center server operating systems, there was different ways to do things. There was different, uh, you know, uh, architectural methodologies used. And I think that's kind of still the sort of same thing you're seeing here, where uh, depending on um, how the individual systems have chosen to architect, then there are differences uh, with uh, with how things can be uh, utilized and monitored and, and how um, uh, work is done. Obviously, the, 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 the goal is the same, uh, to have an operating system which can allow you to, to configure and manage and operate uh, the, the switch itself. And I think if you step back a little bit and you look at you know the difference between the server and network space there, um, there's a couple of really key components for both to just get anything to happen. Um, within the server space, there's, uh, I can't remember exactly the acronym, I think it's ACPI or APCI. ACPI. Yeah, so I press the power button, and what does that actually mean 
to initialize the system, right? How do I talk to the platform? How do I spin the fans? How do I flash the LED on the motherboard? Um, and we have the same kind of challenges within the network space, but there's never been an agreed standardization of how to do that. And then within compute space, you have the concept of instruction set architectures or, you know, x86 as a common language at the, you know, the, the hardware level where we have ASICs and those ASICs have no standardization in language, but not only is there not a standard between two ASICs, um, those standards or those languages aren't even open to the community. And so there, it becomes really, really hard to do just about anything. And I think that's why, you know, we've seen such a fragmentation on the approaches to network operating systems, especially when compared to the server world. Yes. And I think uh, it's also an evolutionary phase, right? It's uh, It's been a decade that open networking has started. And right now we see small, uh, I mean, in some places that uh, when one operating system, NOS open operating system has started a feature implementation, it naturally influences the way that feature is being implemented in the other uh, operating systems. I see that, I will talk about examples like that uh, uh, in this chat, but yeah, we see that happening and that's uh, that's good for the community in general. And hopefully going forward, it will make these NOSes much more uh, you know, applications running on these NOS is much more uh, compatible. So going back, uh, I, I think, um, so the space today, if we run through the operating systems that are available today, one is Cumulus Linux, Sonic, uh, which is started by Microsoft, and there is a huge uh, open source community behind it. It's an OCP project. There is Dent, which is the new operating system on the block, I would say, um, earlier this year. And that is backed by Linux Foundation. And there is Danos, which is also an operating system which came from the service provider space started by AT&T. And all these are um, targeted or um, they have communities in different network spaces. For example, Danos is for the service provider telco space, and then Dent is for the edge retail campus uh, space to begin with. Sonic is for the cloud space. And Cumulus is, I guess Cumulus has tried to tailor for all of these markets, right? We do campus, we do... Um, and I think most of that, for example, nothing prevents Dent from actually going into other spaces given its uh, architecture. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a, a question of do you have the right architecture for a space and that there are things like scale that are going to be different uh, yeah. between uh, service provider and, and campus. Uh, there are things like obviously different feature sets, whether it's routing protocols or whether it's, uh, you know, um, 802.1x functionality, it's going to be different between the two. But, but certainly you're right. I, I don't think they're um, completely customized for one or the other. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at all of them, you know the core component it's always Linux. Um, if you look at something like Dent, where it is purely Linux, you know they've taken all of those drivers that we've talked about, whether it's that ASIC driver or those platform drivers, and they've put them in kernel, um, so it really does operate like a server. Um, you know, Cumulus was the first ones to come along, and so we did everything in user space for the most part. Um, and invented in kernel wherever we could, but some of that isn't intellectual property that we have the rights to open source some of the ASIC drivers. Um, you know, Psy is trying to find a third way where 
there are some components, or I'm sorry, Sonic using Psy, um, the switch abstraction interface is trying to find a third way where there's some community kind of northbound APIs that are open source and anybody can write to, and then the southbound stuff that actually talks to the hardware, whether that's the switch or the ASIC, can still be private and proprietary um, in closed source. And so having that kind of, you know, as you were saying, Rupa, they can work in any space, and I think that's because of that Linux core. And then it kind of comes down to, you know, some philosophical decisions, some, as Brian said, scale um, scale considerations that might come up, and then, of course, configuration, monitoring, and things like that. Yes. To add to that point, uh, I think the focus of each of these communities on the type of hardware that supports also kind of is tells you what space they're targeted. For example, Dent is today looking at the edge retail space boxes, which are the cost-effective, low-end PoE-type boxes that are available. And um, Cumulus HCL talks about data center switches, campus switches, and so on. And so does uh, Sonics, which is the cloud cloud space. And uh, to the point that... um, Taking Pete's point further, I think the way most of these operating systems uh, differ is in the way they program the ASIC or the way they talk to ASIC. They standardize at different levels. Uh, for example, Cumulus Linux uh, talks to just the general Linux API, networking API, and we do the um, crazy things behind the back to actually translate that API to whether a driver is in user space or a driver is in the kernel. And Sonic, Sonic has a user space component. It's standardizing the user space SDK API layer with the Psi abstraction, and it has a huge community following it as well. And on the other hand, Dent uh, has supports the Linux model, but it supports the open source drivers, the switch dev drivers. And today, the vendors playing in that space are Mellanox and Marvel most recently Marvel, which have open source um, ASIC drivers in the kernel, which can program the ASIC directly. Yeah, I mean, and even there, I mean, from a, again, as you as you look at a macro level, it, they're all doing the same thing, right? They're all, by, yeah. by definition, it's an operating system talking southbound into an ASIC. Um, I think the question is, where is that, uh, where is that division done? Whether it's kernel, whether it's user space, uh, is there a shim layer like SAI where you can just say, I'm going to talk to my shim layer. I need to make sure my my northbound APIs are strong up from my shim layer. And then my southbound can be customized um, <clears throat> to any ASIC specificity that's that's needed. But there's no there's no necessarily wrong answer to doing these things. It's just kind of where that division is done and there, there are advantages and disadvantages uh, to each. If, if you don't want to modify uh, the kernel and have kernel drivers, um, it helps to have them in user space because then you can do whatever you want and make the changes anytime you want. Uh, but obviously there's a lot of power in saying, just like the server team has done, with saying if we normalize on on um, uh, kernel level drivers, that means that the, you know, it's um, uh, it can always be uh, fixed or okay. resolved or updated by, by the experts at the individual uh, hardware vendors. And I think there's also a level of, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, targeting a space, you know, we say dentist targeting retail and campus and branch, you know, really what we're talking about there is what are we building those drivers for? 
you know, and for, for that, you're saying, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some set of switches, uh, some set of ASICs, and we're going to build the drivers for that and give those to the community versus say 400 gig, uh, you know, MPLS, it's going to be a focus more on how do we build one gig, 2.5 gig VXLAN overlays. Um, and how are we going to get that programmed into that ASIC? How are we going to do that northbound and southbound divide? Um, and, and again, I think if you look at each one of these models, you know, Cumulus doesn't support the uh, service provider routers from Broadcom. Uh, Dent is focused on one gig and multi-gig platforms. Uh, Sonic is very focused on the data center. Um, you know, so there's not going to be anything like CapWap and Sonic anytime soon because they're not trying to build anything for campus. Yeah, definitely. And um, this, yeah, we just talked about ASIC programming and Pete, you brought, about, brought up uh, platform support earlier. And I do, I just remembered uh, we do need to talk about ONL because ONL is also a uh, starter OS, you would say, in this space. It's an OCP project, and um, I did get some questions uh, about ONL and ONLP. So on the server side, uh, ACPI is the standard, and we would love to have that in um, Cumulus, or we would love to push that in the open uh, networking space for more standardization. And it's interesting that recently in a Linux networking conference, I realized that when the ACPI standard was set, up, set in the server space, they did not focus on networking, right? And that was that has, uh, for example, de defining SFPs in ACPI is not not done so well or it's not out there. So things like that uh, we should drive, and Cumulus did try to uh, put that out. The context for me saying that is the standardization that uh, in the open community, what is happening around there is instead of going through the ACPI space, there is something called ONLP, which is a project, which is also, again, an OCP-based project. Uh, but there are many hardware vendors that do support ONLP drivers today. It's a mix of kernel drivers, and but ONLP is a um, user space abstraction API for platforms. Uh, in Cumulus, we have tried to expose platforms as in as a Linux API, SysFS, you know, uh, Mellanox also supports that. So there are different uh, different operating systems uh, expose the platform data in different ways, whether it's Linux or a special abstraction layer. And I think it's interesting when you think about that because at the simplest, you can think of a platform as, like I said earlier, the power button, the fans, the LEDs, and things like that. But you, you mentioned something in passing there that's really important to us that doesn't matter on most network device, or I'm sorry, most server devices, which is SFPs, right? Most, yeah. no, most server devices are going to have some sort of LAN on motherboard or a one gig port or something where the motherboard and the device drivers, there's nothing interesting or complicated there. But when you're talking about higher speed optics, I mean, 10 gig is becoming, you know, quote unquote easy. When you're looking at 25, 50, 40, 100 gig optics, you know, all of a sudden there is technology and those SFPs themselves are like little mini computers. Uh, and so how do I get that SFP to get loaded at runtime? And so we've talked to customers about, you know, enabling those front panel ports on a switch at boot up, you know, or in the BIOS within Oni. And even if we can do that, now you have to start restricting optics because you have to know how to talk to that optic 
as part of that driver. You know, you can't put any special sauce there. You can't do any workarounds and you're going to have to start requiring a higher level and higher quality of optic than we sometimes see in the, in the industry. So next thing, I, I think we talked about platforms. We talked about the operating system, base operating system. Let's talk about the software stack on these NOSes, right? So FRR has become a huge, um, I mean, it has a huge presence and it being the, I guess, the only protocol, open protocol stack, a mature protocol stack, it's being adopted by most of these open networking or network operating system. So I think uh, at that level, Linux and the base Linux and FRR is something that is becoming more common. Um, any any thoughts you guys want to add? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, every, even the closed vendors love to try to uh, Linux wash their operating systems and say, you know, now with 3% more Linux uh, than before, <laughs> even though they're still not Linux, you know, that I think it's becoming more and more clear that Linux is the right model, the right way to go. And all of these people that have legacy architectures in their network operating systems are trying to figure out how to kind of glom on to that, that superior technology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even as, um, you know, Microsoft uh, has actually acquired Metaswitch um, earlier this year, I think it was. Um, and so we'll see what goes on with, with that. They've got their own, uh, you know, routing stack and see how it plays in with this. But even to this point, certainly from a, a Sonic perspective, everything is being driven. Everything routing is being driven with, uh, with FR routing, um, right now as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, many different companies behind it and that kind of, uh, helps harden the open implementation. It has a huge, uh, ecosystem and community, which is great. Um, to just mention again, FRR is uh, the routing stack in Cumulus Linux, Sonic, Dent, and if I remember correctly, even Danos. Um, so coming to coming back to my earlier point about how uh, these days some features are getting implemented the same way. Um, I recently, with the Linux NetDev uh, conference, I realized that, uh, for example, the pSample, SFlow, uh, the way SFlow is implemented on Linux, uh, which is an open implementation because it's in the kernel and the API, Netlink API, it soon be started becoming a standard way. Sonic apparently supports the same way. Dent is going to uh, support the same channel. So this was this was basically organically this happened. SFlow daemon can run on these all three operating systems using the same API. And we see this, uh, we're, we're beginning to see this, uh, the recent talk on NAT, uh, NAT offload implementation. The Linux kernel has been doing NAT for a really long time and it has supported hardware acceleration of uh, NAT rules and it is becoming more prominent with SmartNICs, right? SmartNICs, NAT offload. And um, I recently, and Cumulus does support uh, NAT with the Linux kernel NAT offload. And I also recently found out that Sonic is also working towards using the same model for for NAT. So it's great to see these uh, new feature, you know, new ASIC feature uh, being implemented the same way, so which makes it easier on you know application developers or people who deploy. And, and I think that's I think you're indicating you know a growing trend, which is 
a lot of these things, you know, there's a handful that start community first, depending on who's developing and what, where they're developing for. But you see these things start, you know, more proprietary, more user space, more closed binary. And then as the community understands a solution, agrees on a solution, develops towards a solution, you see it move into the open, you know. And so look, NAT and networking is not a new, uh, or I should say hardware accelerated NAT and networking is not a new thing. Um, but like you're saying, being able to offload that NAT rule from software into an ASIC or into a smart NIC is a relatively new thing. And that's something that Sonic's doing. And now you start to see this blending where, well, if Cumulus is Linux and Sonic has, you know, Linux components and Sonic adopts not adopts NAT, uh, with that hardware offload, all of a sudden your NAT configuration between Sonic and Cumulus starts to look extremely similar, if not exactly identical. Uh, and, you know, I mean, FRR, I think, is the prime example where because it's the same application, you actually now have a portable BGP configuration. You know, I can pick up my BGP config from Cumulus. I can move it over to Sonic. I can move it over to Danos. It doesn't matter. And as more and more of these applications move that way, we'll have more and more flexibility. And then it just kind of comes back down to what is how does that operating system talk to that underlying hardware because of the asic driver if it doesn't have a rule like create nat entry then it can't do anything even if that's in the kernel and so it it's important to not only have that software component in kernel but you have to have that southbound hardware component and so is that coming from the community and being put in kernel like switch dev and what dent is doing is it coming from the asic vendor itself like sai is it something kind of in collaboration between the hardware and software vendors like what uh, cumulus does with switch d uh, you know that implementation detail starts to become really important and what that means for feature development the, the other thing i wanted to add on to what you're saying is i, I think really a key point with um not just open networking but open open software which is to say that is two things number one is the the um, I was going to say modularity. It's not just the modularity. the 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 way that you can take components from one uh, implementation, one deployment, and utilize them on different ones, um, and having that portability was what I was looking for. That portability, I, I think, is is really critical. Number one. Number two is something we see a lot in open software in general, and now we're seeing in open networking is as a general rule, if there is something that is uh, a, a better solution for whatever definition of better, faster, easier to code, what have you, um, that tends to win. And I think this is with, with FR routing specifically, we're seeing this quite a bit um, because of uh, functionality and scale and, and other things. Um, and that really does, I mean, it helps the coders because it allows them to uh, to make sure that that something I'm doing is a force multiplier and can be used across a lot of different uh, deployments and a lot of different customers. Um, but it also helps those customers because if they familiarize themselves with a thing, you know, and have, uh, you know, their own specific BGP configuration, um, just to, to pick a protocol, uh, that, that they can then use it um, across different things and find out that the deployment that is right for them, whether it's, a, again, a cost basis whether it's a, a feature basis or a scale basis or what have you, um, but but that is something that is explicitly driven in the in the you know open software and open networking community, and that is different from you know traditional legacy networking, right? Where you you don't see that you mm -hmm. don't see something where you can say, well, it's literally identical 
Uh, it's literally the same daemon, whether it's, uh, as, as you were pointing out, from an S-flow perspective or, or from BGP. And I think that's really critical as well. Yeah. The lesser the implementations you have to deal with, fewer the bugs, security, interop, all these, right? And with FRR, we have seen, uh, we personally, I mean, we also have run it on uh, the host, not only different NOSs, and, but it also goes beyond that to the server operating systems and possibly tomorrow even on a smart tech. So, yeah, the portability uh, benefits are huge. And I think that is really, you know, what what has changed when we started this conversation about, um, you know, the server versus network space and how network wasn't included in those. I think that line is really starting to blur more and more as SmartNICs get smarter and smarter. You know, we started with TCP offload years and years ago, and now we can do VXLAN offload. And now, you know, OVS offload, you can start doing storage target offloads onto these SmartNICs. And you really are having a subcomputer in the system and it changes what the edge of the network is. You know, instead of it being that top of rack, it now becomes the server NIC. And now you have 48 times the number of endpoints that are, you know, network edges as you had before, but it makes that uh, high speed physical network that we've always had with switches much simpler. Um, and so you can start to think about, okay, well, what if I need to put my eVPN configuration on the host, but my top of rack and my spine and leaf are all just very simple, straightforward IP packet um, forwarders running BGP? You know that that whole um, ecosystem starts to evolve. Yep, definitely. And it, it, maybe at this stage, I do want to uh, also clarify to our listeners. You know, open. We do get this question, is Cumulus open enough or is Sonic the only open operating system? Maybe we should take a stab at answering that clearly, right? Um, all of these are open network operating systems, all the, all the ones that we mentioned today. Cumulus is not less open just because it has a proprietary SDK drivers. Cumulus tailors to both proprietary SDK or open source drivers, right? Cumulus has tried to uh, bridge that gap. And so is Sonic. Sonic also uh, deals with uh, or is capable of supporting closed source user space drivers where possible. So I think the way to look at it is Cumulus is open Debian with Cumulus uh, supported packages or Cumulus, um, you know, enhanced version packages like kernel, FRR packaged and hardened. So is Sonic. So is so is Dent. Um, yeah. Anything you guys want to add? Yeah, the way I end up looking at that, um, especially the Cumulus versus Sonic thing, is the the first one we hear is, well, Cumulus is a closed ASIC driver, uh, but Sonic is all open source. But the reality is that the ASIC driver in Sonic is a compiled binary that's just as closed as anything else because it contains that IP of the ASIC vendor. Um, but then you know, those are equal between the two, then what's different? And to me, it's more or less an operational model where Cumulus is looking at standard Linux user space uh, applications running with systemd. Uh, Sonic has taken a container first approach, so everything is a container. So BGP runs in a container. Spanning tree runs in a container. Uh, you know, when the CLI is finalized, it will run in a container. And so it's a question of, are you more familiar with Linux processes 
or are you more familiar with containerization? Um, and what are the implications, the pros and cons of those? Um, you know, and so again, it's just, a it's an operational model more than anything else to me. Yeah. I think there's always some confusion about what open means, uh, in, in any of these conversations and Pete, to your point, yes, or, or I guess Rupa, to your, your earlier point, some people will assume that it means literally everything is completely shared and, and completely open. And there are reasons, not just commercial reasons for the, the folks who are coding it, but specific commercial reasons like you know Pete pointed out from the ASIC vendor, where you're literally just not allowed to share in, in some cases because they're they're proprietary to the, uh, the, the operating or the um, uh, system instructions for that are, are uh, proprietary. Um, so I think if if people are looking to say something, I want to have, uh, again, portability, modularity, um, developability, that's not a real word, I just made up a word, um, but but be able to to custom uh, customize uh, things as see fit. Uh, that to me is the real question of, of open, are the APIs well-defined, are, are the, um, the spaces well-defined? And that's true, it just then comes down to what exactly are you looking for? As, as Pete said, it's not just containers versus, um, uh, you know, more of a, a Linux-centric way. It's also, as we talked about earlier, what kind of network are you deploying it on, and what kind of feature set do you need, and and do you expect a CLI? Is it a, you know, everything that's available within the CLI, or do you expect is it okay? If there's none at all, um, and that's kind of the the question that that needs to be answered from a from a customer deployment perspective, because there isn't an answer to me at least. Yeah, and I think as some some concrete examples, you could look at something like say you're going to develop a custom routing protocol like Facebook did with OpenR. You could run that on Dent, you could run it on Cumulus, and you could run it on Sonic. And you would never have to engage the community if you don't want to, because OpenR is going to do all of its own internal calculations to determine the best route or where a MAC address is, and put that in the kernel. And then once it's in the kernel, all three of those uh, devices will program that. Where it gets more complicated is where you look at something that's not a MAC or it's not a route, say like an MPLS label or an IPv6 extension header. Um, now, not only do you, the kernel need to know about it, but you have to have a way to talk to the ASIC that says not only, hey, add IP route, blah, 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 but now I have to be able to say, hey, add MPLS label, blah, blah, blah. And if the ASIC driver, either that open, you know, that upstream one used in Sonic or the one that's proprietary used by, say, Cumulus, doesn't have that component to it, it doesn't matter what you put in kernel. And so, you know, as you said, Brian, there's that it, it kind of comes down to what you want to do. And then maybe you say, look, I don't even want to route based on IP packets or, you know, packet headers. I want to route based on the stock symbols in my trading application. I want to look into the layer seven application. Then you even have to go as far to say, well, now I need a way to not just call a function within that ASIC, I need to be able to reprogram the ASIC itself. And that's where things like P4 live. And so you find these languages, these um, intermediaries, these APIs kind of at every level from the ASIC all the way up to the application. Let's talk a little bit about open NOS deployments. Uh, we did talk about where each of these, um, what markets they're targeting or what um, testing or hardening they go through in what space. Uh, but uh, do you guys have um, some survey of where a certain NAS is being used or being deployed? 
Well, if we look at uh, Cumulus, I think we, being being former Cumulus folks, have the most experience there. You know, we see it broadly deployed. Uh, you know, whether it's campus out of band management, Leaf and Spy in the data center. We have some customers who have even done it for things like Internet Edge um, for some specialized purposes. Um, Sonic, you know, was a data center operating system designed by Microsoft, and so that's really been its complete and total focus. Dent, you know, like we talked about earlier, is is focused on that one gig and retail space. Um, but also, it's not just about the point and network, but it comes down a lot to um, the organization, the skills of that organization, and what they can actually accomplish. Um, because again, there is a whole operational model that you have to think about. You know, if you've never touched Docker before in your life and you don't know what a container is, uh, Sonic's going to be a, a tough pill to swallow for your team. Going to have a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it also depends on on um, customer size as well, right? So if, if you're, mm-hmm. um, obviously, I'm sure there's some folks who have, you know, one person knows literally all this stuff and they can do it no matter whether the company size is 100 people or, you know, 50,000 people. Um, but a lot of times uh, products are are designed for, uh, in the Cumulus case, you know, medium to large enterprise. Uh, in the Sonic case, it, it is larger enterprise. That's, that's more of the hyperscalers or just a step below them. Um, again, that's not to say just ignore it if you're not in that space. If, if you know what you're doing and you're a Docker expert, as, as Pete says, then, you know, jump right in. Um, but it's it's tends to be designed for one or the other because from a purely, um, uh, you know, product engineering focus, you got to focus on some things and, and those are the customers that it's it's primarily targeted for. So I would expect even, even Dent, you know, we're talking uh, slower, smaller speeds, um, but it's not intended necessarily for a, you know, we're a dentist's office with two buildings. Um, it, it would work for that. Um, but the odds are, you know, a dentist's office with two buildings are not going to want something that is that, you know, customizable or open. It's, it's more intended for, again, your, your, um, uh, your larger enterprises who would be able to take advantage of, um, uh, of cost savings and take advantage of, uh, operational savings because they're using DevOps models and, and things like that. And I think you, uh, you know, you, you've touched on something that I think is really important is that that positioning, that target determines feature priorities and roadmaps. And so if you look again at something like Sonic, Sonic is, you know, more automation friendly because it's all JSON, you know, machine readable outputs and inputs, uh, but if you're a large enterprise where you're used to hundreds of Cisco Catalyst switches in your campus, in your branch, that's awful and terrifying. And CLI um, commands for each of them. Exactly, right? Um, and so, you know, when does the CLI come in? How robust is that CLI? Those things start to matter a lot in those different deployments. And so, again, it, you know, what tools, what capabilities, what skill sets exist in that organization very much drive uh, you know, who adopts that, you know, it becomes a cycle of like, who adopts what operating system, where does it get deployed? And then what's the next set of features that gets driven as a, as a result? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, I haven't looked at the Sonic roadmap in a little while, so I'll look to y'all to keep me honest, but you know, there's some limitations around things like 
dual attached MLAG or Cisco calls it VPC within Sonic or some limitations around spanning tree because those are just not the use cases that are deployed by customers of those size. But, but yet they have some initial ISSU because you have a lot of customers that are single attaching servers. Uh, so they want to be able to provide ISSU or ISSU-like capabilities early on. And so, you know, it's almost crazy to think that ISSU came before VPC, but if I have single attach, then ISSU is important and I don't care about VPC or uh, MLAG. Right. And the other thing is is things like um, uh, federal certifications and, and things like that, right? If, if you have, uh, if, if you're building out um, a data center and it's, it's, just your company's data center, maybe it's two data centers or something, um, you may not need, uh, you know, federal security certification as you would if you're building out a large hyperscaled cloud, right? Uh, and so that's, we, we see that as well um, with the focus. And again, I mean, I'm of course coming from the product side. There's no wrong answer on what to focus. It's just what is yeah. the best target for the customers uh, and, and for the market? And, and that's where you have to to make sure your resources are, you know, are, are focused. Yeah. And like we talked about it earlier, um, the projects, all these projects started with a particular focus in mind, Microsoft with cloud, but there is a new trend in the community that these guys or these network operating systems have developed that they are going beyond what their initial, uh, whatever charter was. For example, Sonic is looking at adding MLAG, EVPN support, uh, even though the initial use case for Microsoft Cloud uh, does not involve that. I do want to point out that I I realized uh, Brian said dent for the dentist office. So I do want to clarify dent is not That's true. I guess I did. related to dental. It is distributed enterprise. <laughs> it also supports orthodontics. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, I think we can probably um, wrap on uh, some of the hardware and software support models, which is always a point of confusion. Um, So in one of the podcasts, I don't remember which one, I did see some, some vendors trying, oh, open network operating systems don't have a support model. They just bundle up something and they throw at you. No, it's not true. Uh, Linux, as you've seen, Red Hat is a, well, the most, um, uh, has a monopoly, I would say, on in the enterprise uh, server market because they do package and harden a operating system. And the same is happening in the open uh, network operating system space. Cumulus does uh, package and harden a bunch of open source components to make uh, for a particular use case, whether it's campus, whether it's data center, Uh, cloud and so on. The same trend is seen on the other operating systems. I'm sure there will be a distribution around Dent, a supported distribution around Dent. And recently, many vendors have also announced support, such support for um, Sonic, right? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what I would expect as well. I think if, to me, anybody who says like, Open source can't be supported. Is that's that's kind of fud ish, where people are just trying to yeah. to scare people away from it. They, as you pointed out, it's been done for a lot of years. This you know, open SSL, open SSH, these things have been around exactly. for a long, long time. Right? Yeah, I mean, is also it, it doesn't mean that that no one you can not have a support contract with somebody and and call them up. Uh, and and to be clear, certainly for all of these things, there are 
part of the community is is you know doing that and making sure that that is available to customers because otherwise you're not going to get beyond the the ones who have the resources to do everything themselves and I think if you look at the you know the simplest option, which is something running something like CentOS or Red Hat directly on the switch with switch, uh, the switch dev ASIC drivers, you know you can do that with the Spectrum line of switches uh, from Mellanox. You know that's going to be kind of the simplest, most raw use case. Uh, you know the other side of that spectrum uh, is going to be Cumulus with your twenty four by seven pick up the phone and call anybody. Um, but somewhere in the middle is going to fall is Sonic as that model starting to be developed. And so, you know, here at NVIDIA, we've, we're providing, um, you know, that engineering support, bug fixes, things like that, but working entirely within the community. So, you know, they, they call it ASIC to protocol. So we'll make sure that southbound layer is correct. We'll make sure the northbound layer is correct. If you had an FR bug, we'll fix it and put, and all that goes back upstream. But the other model is, you know, Dell's approach here where, they're effectively taking a fork of Sonic and saying, you know, we're going to do our own thing so that we can maintain the quality, the control of the bug fixes, but then you start to lose some of that community engagement as a result. And so, again, it's all about those trade-offs of what you want as an organization and what you prioritize. So uh, for our listeners, how do how does one get started on open network operating system? Uh, I just want to add that most of these communities have their open source pages. They have their hardware compatibility list for anyone to start looking at a box and uh, virtual machines. I mean, there is a virtual instance. Cumulus VX is a um, virtual instance. Uh, it is basically a Linux distribution, a Debian instance with all our hardened packages. Uh, do we have other examples? Yeah, I'll actually use this opportunity to give a shout out to uh, one of the members of our docs team, Anya, who just completed a complete rewrite of our Cumulus VX docs that show you how to set up a, a little lab and walk through um, some self-paced guided tours that we've built um, that you can run there. We also have Cumulus in the cloud. So cumulusnetworks.com slash C-I-T-C, Cumulus in the cloud. Uh, so you can spin up the Cumulus VX instances on our equipment. So you don't have to do anything but click some buttons. Um, and if you ask your friendly neighborhood sales engineer really, really nicely, uh, we have some early access to some labs that are actually mixed Cumulus Sonic environments so you can actually get your hands on a Sonic environment, see the configuration, see it do BGP peering with Cumulus and passing packets from server to server across that mixed network. Um, that's still in some early availability, so you have to, like I said, ask nicely, get your hands on it. Uh, but it's there and it's up and running now. Yeah, and I would say the goal is, as always, to have um, as much uh, reachability and as much uh, availability for uh, customers or, or folks who are looking to become customers can can get their hands on it and play with it. And certainly that's always been true from, from a Cumulus Linux perspective, but we're looking to see how we can kind of extend that out because it is important for, for folks to to really understand the differences if they can play with it and and, and uh, you know set up uh, set up home labs and, and labs like that. I think it, it helps quite a bit. Sounds great. With that I think we can wrap up. Thanks a lot, Pete and Brian and hope to have you guys again discussing, I don't know, automation is another, automation for network operating system is something that we should talk about. Okay, thanks a lot.
Thanks for listening to the Kernel of Truth. We'll be posting show notes on the Cumulus blog where you can find loads of educational material on Cumulus and the open networking industry as a whole. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you're notified when the next episode is posted or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you.